Welcome to Easter term. The sun is coming out, lockdown is easing, and that means season seven of Switchboard is here. I'm Izzy, and I'll be your host this term, joined by a new guest host each week as I keep you in the loop, bringing you Cambridge news and voices wherever you are. This term, at the start of each episode, we're bringing you three headlines we think you should know about. In Cambridge news, the university is trialing summer schools to introduce undergrad students to postgraduate study and research, and offer them assistance during their postgraduate applications even after the summer school program has ended. These pilot summer schools aim to widen postgraduate participation and provide more support for postgrad applicants, along with increasing, quote, access to information, allowing these students to create their own networks of connections, says one of the program's coordinators. More globally, incredibly damaging floods have overtaken much of Western Europe, with Germany suffering among the worst consequences of the devastating natural disaster. Among other natural causes, the floods are thought to be in large part caused by global warming and the resulting increased intense rainfall. The floods have also provoked climate activists from the Fridays for Future branch in Germany to strike in response. In science news, 18-year-old Oliver Damon will be the youngest person to fly to space when he joins Jeff Bezos on the first human flight by his space company on July 20th, reports BBC. On the flight will also be Wally Funk, who is 82 years old and will be the oldest person in space. The trip will only last around 10 minutes, but will take its passengers more than 100 kilometers above the surface of the Earth, where they will experience microgravity. Welcome to episode 8 of Switchboard. This week is bittersweet. We're bringing you the last episode of Term, but celebrating the past year of the podcast with a sit-down conversation with the past year's producers. Varsity's own editor, Liz, is joining me as guest host on this episode as we get a behind-the-scenes look on Maddie, Izzy, Amber, and Eliza's experiences during their time as producers. My name is Amber. I'm a second year studying Education, English, and Drama, and I produced in Lent of this year, I think. Although time has so, sort of become a social construct that I don't really understand at this point. Um, I'm Eliza and I also produce with Amber and I'm glad that she said the term. Yeah. I've forgotten as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm also a second year. I'm Izzy. I produced with Maddie in Michaelmas and I'm a second year HSBS student. Uh, I'm Maddie. I'm also a second year HSBS student um, at Selwyn and yeah, I produce with Izzy in Michaelmas. Our guest host on this episode is Liz. Liz, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Liz. I'm one of the co-editors for this term, so I'm so excited to be on this final episode of Switchboard. Um, I'm a finalist um, studying MML, or I should say who studied MML. I'm not really sure how that works anymore. Um, But yeah, really excited to be here. Well, it's very nice to have all of you here. So the first thing that I'm really curious to know about, because obviously I had a kind of a different experience uh, being a producer by myself. What was it like working with another person? What was that experience? Did you have a good time working with your um, co-producer? And how did you guys kind of overcome any challenges that might have come up with two different minds approaching the same problems? I mean, I don't know how it would have done otherwise. You've done a very good job doing it by yourself, because I truly do not know how one of us would have done it. Um, Yeah, I think it was mainly just the fact that there was always someone else to bounce ideas off of. If you had a really busy week, you could just sort of like, like transfer the responsibilities a bit. And I think for us, at least for me and Eliza, we had a really nice big team with us as well. We had a really big team, really strong team. We had like social media person and lots of like different people who take care of different jobs. Um, So I think... To be honest, not only both of us, but having a big team around us was what made it made the difference in the end. Mm, I completely agree, and I think, um, you know, maybe you can get that if you're one producer and you have a massive team, but it was so useful to have two people to kind of take control of different aspects of the process mm. as well. Yeah, I mean, it was quite intense, I guess, because Izzy and I were living together in Michaelmas, not really seeing anyone else because of lockdown, <laughs> and doing this podcast, which I think became... Uh, more work than we imagined Um, but yeah I think we divided the labour up pretty well and again we had a really nice team who we've actually never met in person which is a bit sad we just did met them did a kind of weekly zoom meeting and 
Yeah, it was, but it was nice to meet other people, I guess. I think also because we put in like a joint application, we had quite a like, shared vision of it, so we didn't have huge disagreements as we went through. Um, also, I just like shouted my way out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I feel like also it was really useful to have like two points of view so that you don't feel like it's just you shaping the direction or like yeah. the angle of the podcast because I think that is really important or it can become a bit like youth-centred almost. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was really glad to work with someone and it, it was intense, but couldn't have had better photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, having a team was really helpful, especially a couple of the team members were at Homerton with me. So that was helpful mm-hmm. to be like, just be able to go and knock on their door and just say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how this works, especially the girl who lives next to me was on the team in the previous term. So she was really helpful, especially at the beginning, sort of like getting me going mm-hmm. um, and helping me figure things out. I feel like also, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but for Maggie and I, we hadn't ever like, done anything with the podcast before so we were really like learning on the job which is why I think it was useful to have two people because some like I was awful at editing and stuff like that and we cut like all our clips ourselves so Maddie would literally have to like remind me every single week how you do it and I think it's really hard to like teach yourself as you go alone and like be thinking of the ideas and producing everything that's what film I think quite overwhelming. I think you can hear as the episodes go on (laughs) the sound quality get better like every time like sometimes I listen back to the first episode and I'm like (laughs) yeah it's definitely learning on the job it was really really fun because I actually I actually heard about Switchball because Maddie you interviewed me for one of the episodes in Michaelmas and I was like that's that's kind of how I learned about it and heard about it and everything and I was like I remember going on being like this is really really professional and there were like all the different things I'd download on my laptop and stuff like that and I was like oh I'm really interested, um, just diverting a bit, I'm really interested how um, you two found living together and doing the podcast because like um, the digital editor for this time, Alex, lives in my household and sometimes I have to like remind myself to shut up about varsity (laughs) because forgetting that um, unlike everyone else in the room, it's not their whole life. Um, So I just wonder, especially in lockdown, did it ever become kind of quite intense in that environment and how did you manage it? It did dominate quite a lot of our conversations. Mm. We'd have like a routine where um, we'd there'd be one point where we'd nearly finish the episode where we'd sit together in Izzy's room with the laptop on the floor uh, like recording the final like the intros and the outros the little like bits. Yeah, yeah um, like and that became yeah very much a routine every week but yeah. It was it was nice to have something like a purpose in Michaelmas because I feel like it it could have be- become quite aimless that term and that we weren't seeing anyone. So like it was intense but in a way that we maybe needed. Yeah, and I feel like I mean I'm always someone who's I think quite bad at like work life dis- distinction. Like I do chat a lot about like we be out like do something like Maddie, we should really do this on a podcast. So <laughs> please shut up. Um, but I also feel like, in some ways, having that as like the term when we were in lockdown, it was actually quite nice to do something like Varsity because we were able to speak to so many people we wouldn't otherwise. Especially like when we were in June thir- third years, so I was like, we'd actually never probably meet some of these people. Like say Alex, she was on our team. It was like really nice to have like come into those connections. And I think because everything was Zoom, it did start to feel quite real in the end. Um, and I also think that because a lot of people were doing other stuff there was way more engagement in clubs and societies I think people have commented on that like across the year right because it's like the only socializing that you can mm. legally do at points so normally like maybe it would take really long to get a reply for an interview but in that Michaelmas term I'd get replies like within a day um and we'd ha- it was actually quite easy to get people on and like people who would normally be like much more busy at that t- time of term mm. so yeah, I'm not like a kind of, oh, COVID's been brilliant. But like, there have definitely been parts of the podcast which we were able to talk on topics that otherwise we just wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Did you guys find in Lent that it was easier or harder to kind of get people interested in, in participating, like since they weren't in Cambridge mm-hmm. and weren't like, mm-hmm. or mostly weren't in Cambridge? I don't know. I'd say easier, like because COVID was difficult. Yeah. People really were keen to get involved. And I think the freshers had kind of found their feet in Michaelmas. And a lot of them were seeking out opportunities, so they wanted to hear what was going on, and they wanted to come and speak to us with their musings or kind of get. Yeah, we had a lot of freshers, didn't we? Yeah, so many freshers. So many freshers. I think also because we because we had so many different people, like out contact people and stuff like that. It was just, it would always be we would always have someone on the team who knew someone in some like convoluted way or whatever. And I think 
the one scary thing about this year is even I think people are quite open to like meeting new people and having stuff like that but when you're by yourself in your room at home it can be a bit like so I think it was just easier that thanks to our team we could be like oh I'm a friend of so and so and so I've been told you do this Mm. like do you want to come help and do this and we had like a submissions thing where we like had people submitting little clips and quotes and stuff like that we had people responding to that as well like I think the biggest part for us was the social media side of just kind of pushing it massively and it meant that people were sort of popping up being like I've got nothing else to do hello because our kind of structure it was a bit weird because I was actually in Cambridge and Eliza wasn't and I was living with my boyfriend like very much in one room for the whole of Lent and the the joke we always make is that he actually never listened to the podcast because he was always there in the background of every episode in the background of our interview with Stephen too he was quite simply asleep like in the room so it was kind of like it was such a surreal experience that it didn't feel like you said like it didn't feel weird to kind of message people and be like hello you probably have not I have nothing better to do you probably have nothing better to do come come have a chat sort of thing and doing it by zoom as well it means you're not having to go and chase people down for an interview and like darting around Cambridge it's so much easier people can just slot you into like their schedule so you end up with zoom calls at weird hours of the day but it Again, Stephen Toop at nine AM. Yeah. That was that was <laughs> that was a wake up. It was a it was a camera off kind of situation which yeah. was good because I just sort of rolled out of bed and was like, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was I think that was really nice for me as well. Like I thought that the Zoom thing would be a little bit awkward. And I think at the beginning it was a little bit weird to like mm. try and have really like genuine conversations with people over Zoom. But yeah. towards the end it, it felt so normal and it also made it so easy yeah for scheduling that was super convenient like I could basically meet with somebody whenever they were free which meant that I could sort of fit them around my exam revision um, and because I was the only producer I only had to like coordinate with the guest host that week mm, so it was a new good. person to work with every week yeah which was really nice and I think that was cool as well the guest host part was something that I think I hasn't been done before um, and I really enjoyed doing that because it meant like an additional person who I got to meet each week and somebody who got to like really be involved in like coming up with interview questions and like running the interviews and stuff um, which was cool to like get more people involved in it because I think a lot of people are interested in getting involved in varsity and getting involved in like this kind of stuff but just don't have a don't have a way in yeah. there was there were definitely a couple of people that would like post about it on Facebook and be like varsity switchboard and stuff like that and I think it's quite I don't know I found that quite cute I was like oh people like like being involved and so it's probably mm-hmm. nice quite a fun thing to like feel like you've done something and you've done something that in the weird abstract Cambridge world means something mm-hmm. in a way yeah the coolest thing is my non-Cambridge friends who yeah, like exactly. send me a photo of them listening to it and that's really sweet that like something that isn't really relevant to their life at all is like still something that they'd be interested in listening to um, yeah, that's been super nice. So yeah, I actually uh, want to ask you guys about that, about how you manage the like balance between making the content about Cambridge and not. I feel like this is something that we really. This is what I mean by we had quite a shared vision mm. on this because this is what I think we did agree on. Yeah, you know, just searching for that agreement. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think that for us, we wanted, we very much felt like there wasn't much value in us doing like episodes on like, for example, like big political social issues because it's like no one's going to tune in to listen to like these two university students talk about like what's the deal with Brexit or something like mm. that. So I was like, I think we've got, and also we really wanted to speak to people like on the ground. So we didn't want to be just going through like MP this or we want to actually speak to Cambridge students, but we did want to like avoid the kind of town ground divide or like having this huge gap. And I think that's what like typically we try to like start. So we would normally do it on like social issues. So let's say our one on divestment, we'd speak to like four people on divestment in, in like the movements in Cambridge and then we speak to someone often at like another university or outside mm. the university about like how this is a broader movement mm. and that was I think a typical structure the same one with our decolonizing the curriculum yeah. then at the end it was like what about decolonizing like school curriculums with this like a UK-wide initiative I think that's like probably how we went about that most of the time mm-hmm. yeah so definitely like started as Cambridge-centred moved out and mm. that was important for us and I don't think um, living in Cambridge really affected that. That was kind of our uh, aim, like from the outset when we were, well, in in the summer holidays. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's always a really hard balance to strike across, like obviously the podcast, but across the whole of varsity because mm-hmm. it is a student paper, but also has this reputation to people outside of Cambridge. So it's very difficult sometimes to know 
where to draw the line between what is purely of interest to students and mm. what actually is of interest to everyone. Um, and I think COVID has brought a whole new dimension to that. Like, I don't know how all of you guys have found presenting the podcast during COVID, but when it's such a, like, a storyline that you can't get away from, yeah. um, no one wants to hear about COVID on a podcast, but then you can't pretend it doesn't exist. Mm. So I think, I- yeah. Well, I think the really interesting about that is that it comes up everywhere. Mm. Like, over the last two years, I've, the, the vast things I've been, Switchboard, Theatre Editor, Features Editor, and I think every single one of those at least half of the term's content was COVID-based. And I remember every time it would really irritate me, so I'd sort of be like, come on, like, surely there must be, there must be more, but there's sort of... Not that not there isn't, but it's sort of like, in a way, you have to remember that that can be a reassuring source to people. Like, it can... Like, it is the one thing we all had in common at this point. And I think that's what Eliza and I liked about one of us being in Cambridge and one of us not was sort of like we were sort of representing the like two sides in a way and that's what was quite fun because we could be like show different perspectives of something that like you said kind of affects people in Cambridge but also outside of Cambridge is the idea of be we were both stuck but in different ways if you see what I mean like I I wasn't able to leave because of travel restrictions and you weren't able to come back because college restrictions it was like a weird and yang. yeah exactly yeah, and I also think I mean journalists always have a duty of care but with COVID specifically, everyone says that they've been overwhelmed by the media. Mm-hmm. I think just Massively. even like the university's kind of constant contact, which is helpful, gets overwhelming. So I think there was also the question of how to balance discussing something that's very rele- relevant with not wanting to kind of bombard students. And I think like all of the switchboard episodes I've heard like throughout this period have really kind of guided people through so if they've kept in like grounded in Cambridge, linked to some bigger issues and kind of considered how COVID is a commonality, which is a good thing as well. Um, it allows everyone to kind of come together around one thing. And I think that's also the thing that we wanted to remember is that like COVID is a dominating factor, but people have kept doing a lot of things that really matter to them and those things are still happening. And so like that was something with like a lot of the movements that we were looking at. Like they were still ongoing, like in a different form, so COVID was relevant, but they didn't all just like collapse and I think that Mm. there is a shared experience like across not just within Cambridge but I think that does hold relevance like to students and young people like actually around the country it's like a solidarity of experiences where like people have kept on like certain certain things particularly social issues a lot of them have been like really galvanized by COVID actually so I felt like in some ways yeah COVID has been a real shaping factor but it wasn't for me it didn't feel like it was literally just like rewriting the everything that had been done yeah, I, th- I think that was quite um, hopeful for me because I think in Cambridge it's such an old institution it can sometimes feel like nothing's ever changing but like speaking to so many students who had been on these issues for like years and years mm. and were kind of still going on it like I remember speaking to um, some English students who had been doing this decolonising um, campaign since their first term here and now they were like graduating this year and like even they were still kind of really pushing for it and I thought that was nice to be like even if this institution is very archaic there are students here who are pushing for change and I think it can be good to hear that to kind of stop you getting disillusioned Mm. because I think it's really easy to become quite jaded here. Yeah definitely like um, if we look at um, you did an episode on divestment for example the jesus divestment campaign have just had quite a big success and jesus have announced plans for divestment which is really exciting yeah yeah we interviewed there and i i thought that was absolutely incredible yeah it's such good progress but i remember when i was first diversity in second year and i was like attending um protests and reporting on protests before the university had announced any plans to divest at all and the anger was so tangible and it's really nice to see that the anger is still there, but that even amongst COVID, when it feels like we're just stuck in this world where nothing is ever changing, um, change has been made and positive change can still be made. And in some ways, as you say, can be made better because we've not got a lot else to do. Mm. <laughs> and also, I guess that links to the way vast is of interest to other people outside of the uni, because Cambridge is always the target of Extinction Rebellion. And I remember my first year reporting on people lying in the road people digging up King, you know, Trinity Lawn, mm. 
like all sorts of protests and yeah actually I think the longer story of the students consistently campaigning bringing facts and putting pressure has actually been what's led to the change this is not to like kind of undermine mm. the wider Extinction Rebellion but I think it's nice that there's something that's actually a specific Cambridge story that's of interest to everyone. But I also think that's a good example of where there's not a total divide. Like, there mm. are Cambridge students who are involved in Extinction Rebellion, obviously, and there are, like, Cambridge students who aren't in the environmental scheme, uh, sorry, environmental field, but not doing, like, Extinction Rebellion. And that's what I mean, is, like, I think it's worth, like, actually really, like, grappling with how, like, how real the town-gown divide always is. Because I think often it's, you know, I remember when we were talking about homelessness, we had someone really good on talking about, like, the amount of students in Cambridge who were living in like precarious living and who were also affected by like a lot of these problems in the city and I think that's actually really important because sometimes we can just assume that they're like two opposing camps and it's like either the students have done it or the town have done it and I actually think like pressure on the university has come from multiple fronts from students from the town from the wider like nationwide movements and I think it's important to you know recognize that. Well, okay, so my next my next question, a bit different, but how would you describe your personal approach to the podcast? I know you guys were talking about you had a lot of social media um, going on and you had like some of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. going, but what other what what do you think you brought in particular to the podcast? I think our like of, uh, official and official line was was it the the Cambridge virtual prep queue? Mm. I think in our very first meeting, that was what we decided that it was was that we were talking about oh like what do we miss most about Cambridge? Like, what do we want to bring to to Cam- like to Cambridge students when they're at home? Or even, like, being in Cambridge, it was a completely different experience. And what we came up with was the idea of standing in that ever-long prep queue and hearing people having these, like, intellectual conversations in the, like... <laughs> you know, when you walk around and you're like, so, da-da-da. And so just kind of... We wanted to create this sort of atmosphere of the sort of conversations you'd hear when just sort of walking around town and I think that was my from my perspective that's sort of the main thing that we and also I think it was it was bringing this this kind of friendliness and this sort of sense of having people just friendly voices that you could hear and it wasn't too formal and it wasn't like I mean our our intro like music thing is literally us getting like the date wrong yeah is us being like (laughs) yes and then it's this is it no ah (laughs) and I think that was sort of we wanted the atmosphere of having a sort of reassuring, friendly voice that you would be used that you would sort of be used to hearing in and around Cambridge, um, for both again for both people at home and people who were stuck in a city that didn't really look the same anymore. Mm. And I love the idea that if you're in the prep queue as well, when you're hearing those conversations, there's almost a kind of soundscape and lots of things overlapping one another. And I think we really were very flexible with our format, so we had a lot of Cambridge musicians on. Um, we had a new original song each week so it was kind of felt like Junction or like Claire Sellers kind of continued through <laughs> Switchboard um, and we were also really flexible with letting people on our team come on the show sometimes they would do their own segments etc which was just so nice to hear a real range of voices it felt far more collaborative which was I think really important especially like through lockdown mm. I think ours was maybe less reassuring <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like quite social justice face. That's how I describe. Yeah, I mean we're both um, HSPS students. And we're quite activists, I guess. <laughs> so we went into it wanting to do those wide ranging issues. So I think perhaps listening to it, it was perhaps less comforting. But we did always try and end it with kind of a conclusion, reflecting mm. on what we'd heard and quite hopeful I think ending yeah our ending conclusion of I agree because I think we normally started with like I think going into it I really wanted it to be a space that was like more about a lot of the activism in Cambridge because sometimes I know that like, lots of them are really disillusioned with like the tab and the varsity like how they write on a lot of activism like the kind of main lines that they often pursue the like lack of kind of discussions that are not totally mainstream and that's something that I thought like the podcast was a great space for because often those ideas are really hard to condense into kind of sound bites or like short sentences and I think they were I think they hopefully were hopeful Mm. I'm quite an optimistic person so maybe like that was read into it but we normally started with like the problem that people were facing like whether that was like mental health problems or like um, homelessness or divestment etc and then it would be like what students are doing to fight it and that was a bulk of the episode it was like much more on like how people were organizing what they were doing as opposed to like 
what the problem is because I feel like we're all quite familiar with what the problem is right like we're here day in day out like we know it but what maybe we're less familiar with is like the work that's actually taking place and how that's shifting mm -hmm. so I hope it was more positive but I also think that maybe if we'd done that in like Lent term that probably could have like pushed people over the edge <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it I think we were sort of like every every episode every chat because we did similar things we had like had weekly zoom meetings with the whole team and then we had weekly meetings just us where we would do the intros and outros and every time we'd sort of be like we want to be honest but we also don't want to make people upset <laughs> because yeah. everyone's a bit everyone's a bit kind of emotional at this time um and I think that was actually quite a difficult balance to strike in a lot of episodes that were a lot more sort of hard hitting like we had a lot of really amazing very honest stories really heartfelt stories and I think every time we did those we wanted to honour the honour them but also sort of have I don't know yeah have that perspective where you would you would leave you would leave the podcast sort of having learned something and having sort of found a new perspective but also just feeling again like feeling like you'd had a had a chat with someone. I think that's what I, that's, I think we were, we probably came, a lot of our ideas probably subconsciously came from the idea that a lot of people are very, very lonely in that Lent term. Mm. And you just wanted to feel like you had people around you. And I think that was, no matter what we were talking about, that was at the core of everything, was just this conversational tone and just the sense that you just didn't have to feel like you were by yourself. I just always had this image of someone like in their room sort of playing the podcast out loud and like going about their lives, like, like clearing things in their room and that would, almost feel like the people in your corridor and things like that. Like that's kind of the, the energy I wanted to create. Mm, and that's the beautiful thing about broadcast, whereas print media kind of has to focus on the problem itself. Broadcast can kind of do it through mm. considering someone else's story so there's something inherently good, even if they are telling something that's incredibly difficult, you're at least connecting with someone, even yeah. if what you are hearing is, again, focused on the same issues that the print um, sections of Varsity were like focusing on. and there definitely needs to be a balance between the two and we'd always link to stuff in the print but I think sometimes people need some respite um, and mm. those conversations kind of kept people company and kept them guided through that. I think just hearing a real voice as well really helps mm. with that because as you say the print media like it's a very um, formatted format I guess you've yeah. got an article it's got to be a certain length you've got to uh, present your argument come to a conclusion etc whereas with a podcast you can afford to have that bit more time spent actually getting to know the person that you're listening to. And as you say, Lent was quite a lonely turn, both for people at home, but also for people in Cambridge, because yeah. there was just no one around. And so just hearing other students' voices and knowing that, yes, these other students are having similar experiences, they're talking about the same issues, there was such a reassurance about that, I think, for yeah. everyone. Yeah, I think we sort of almost were like, not anti-format, but I never, I don't think we ever went, we didn't, we always had like, we had basically how it always worked was you had the Zoom call and we had a Google Doc up on a different page or we would sort of like message each other while the call was happening and um, have like questions and stuff on it. But it would never really be like question, answer, question, answer. We'd turn up and we'd be like, hello, mm. how are you? Like, what do you think about your day? Whatever, whatever. And I think we always had trains of thought that we sort of wanted to explore, but that was never the focus. The focus was always just hearing people's thoughts, gauging people's vibe and just sort of getting getting in it. Because also I think we ended up having conversations that we never would have had had we had had we over formatted it in a way, mm. which I think was a blessing and a curse because at times we would end up overrunning massively or underrunning massively um, because we'd just get all over the place. But I think, again, that was so important to us that it wasn't so formulaic and that it wasn't... Thin, or that we... when. On like we'd start interrupting, and I remember there was a was it freshers we were talking about fez, and I remember we I'm having a, a conversation midway through about our opinions on fez, and it just became so like. But again, that was kind of the vibe we wanted to create is just the sort of conversations you'd have. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for like the way that my season went coming out of Lent. Like I remember the first. The, like the very first interview that I did I came out of it like oh my god that was the coolest thing ever like I just got to meet somebody especially as a fresher like my obviously I wasn't in Cambridge for Lent and my Michaelmas experience was pretty limited in terms of being able to meet people so having this opportunity to make all of these connections um, with different people in Cambridge having like very different experiences was really really cool for me as well and I think that was part of like what I really enjoyed about having the guest host each week was like that was like a whole new like voice every single week who was actually like really 
interested in asking questions and being part of like that whole process as well so yeah like like all of you have been saying like for me the biggest and like maybe the most special thing about doing the podcast was being able to make those kind of those kinds of connections and the fact that like especially now when those sort of connections are really hard and when like I know a lot of other freshers who have really struggled to meet people like being able to provide maybe a little glimpse into what Cambridge might Mm. normally be like and what like the kind of network of people out there experiencing things is like was really cool to have that kind of like little insight into that and I think some of the best things is when we have people like message us on our Instagram being like I've wanted I remember I had someone slide in being like I've wanted to be starting this divestment campaign at my college all year but I haven't been able to find a community and like I've now messaged the person you were speaking to on your podcast and like oh this that's is super so cute and I was like that that for me like kind of makes it because I feel like the college system I mean everyone has different views on it I'm not a fan but <laughs> it does like kind of divide people and it means that you can feel so much more like isolated sometimes right because you can feel like yeah there's this big movement maybe uni-wide but like you don't know anyone who's involved in it so like a bit like there's no way into varsity like there's no way into some of these spaces and I think it was really nice to be able to like almost create those communities at a time where they were so segregated because of corona um and yeah I think not just making connections between us but like making connections between like our listeners and like the guests on the show that was really something that I felt was really important and that filled me a lot of the time with hope because it is easy to get very disillusioned as you say with Cambridge and I think sometimes remembering that actually there are these movements at other colleges and that like they also started with like two or three people you know Jesus I remember Zach was saying like two and a half years ago that movement didn't exist and like now look where the, where they are today and I think it does fill you with you got to like catch on to those small things haven't you yeah definitely and I like how it's kind of as a platform sort of like parallel to like the university and to to the colleges like it's doesn't it's not affiliated to any one college or or kind of it's affiliated to varsity but not to the university as a whole and I thought that was like a really nice sort of angle mm. to take like I could sort of step out of like the university and just be interested in, in individual people and in how mm. they were experiencing things um and I yeah I think I, re- I really liked that sort of element of it as well like how it was just sort of like its own independent thing in a way and so I could sort of take it and do a little bit what I wanted with it and also like take a, a yeah I don't know I, I thought it was interesting to be able to um, speak to people without like always having to bring in the context of the college or the context of the university like it was it just happens that it just so happens that we all go to Cambridge but we're having an entirely separate conversation about something that doesn't have anything to do with the university yeah okay so so I'm personally interested and Isabella it's a bit mean for you because you're still in the term but for the, you guys you've all had a bit of time away from switchboard and I was wondering if you could do one more episode now what would you do it on? Okay, the quick answer is that when we were finished, we knew what our next episode would have been on, and it would have been on the rent strike campaign. Mm-hmm. Because when we were approaching the end of term, we were like, this is a rising kind of tide, but we were always planning episodes like three, four weeks in advance. I think you did but that. But you did that. Did, yeah. So we don't need to do it. What would be my handover? Yeah, yeah, actually. I can't remember if we wrote that on the handover doc. Maybe I feel like I was like we should write it and Maddie was like that's really prescriptive you've got to let loose let, nah. let go of the control <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but what do you think we do on now give us a minute yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like final meal on death row <laughs> on last episode because I think what was great is we did so many different things just kind of almost with our mood each week as well 100%. because that lockdown felt like it had so many different phases you can definitely tell some weeks we were out there kind of campaigning for world justice and other weeks it was like just get through it and yeah the whole like, of Cambridge just get through it literally I think in terms of like where everyone is at now I think I'm sort of trying to do this a little bit in the, the feature section as well is basically try to put in a in a kind of nice tactful way kind of put a positive spin on the last year all of my friend all of my friend group and everything have there's so much talk about oh this year was a write-off like there's no point like I'm just going to ignore that it happened and forget it whatever whatever I'm sort of like no like I think it'd be really nice to have a conversation about it has been crap and it has like there has been so many so many negatives but it some a lot of things have happened again to individual people not as a I wouldn't say like necessarily as a, as a like country or as a as the world but so it happened to individual people in a way in a roundabout way thanks to where the world has been and I think it'd just be really nice to hear how people will remember this year in however long like I'd like to think for me that I would 
if it weren't for lockdowns and a million other problems, I wouldn't be in my current relationship. I wouldn't be in, like, I wouldn't have come to Switchboard. Like, there are so many things I wouldn't, that I would never have thought of doing without sort of having to... I think, you, I think that being locked down sort of make, made you have to reach out in a way. I think it made you, like, you had to sort of look further afield to find different things to do. New hobbies, new interests, new, again, in the world of activism, so many people found their calling from a place of being a bit lost and then suddenly finding somewhere to go. So I think it's a very, very broad topic, but I think I'd probably want to do something about, like, what people have gained, what people have learned from the last year and a bit whether that be personal political anything like that and sort of end end the academic year on sort of a like actually you know what I'm not gonna we're not gonna put this as a regret I think that's the main thing that's bothering me in the like discourse around me at the moment is people saying people saying that 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 it's a regret and that it's a write-off and everything like that and I would really like to put out into the world that no actually we can find some some guiding lights and we can find some positives in it all and I think, like, especially for the end of term, like, that's yeah. kind of what you're doing here. Like, we're having a reflection. And that's with our creativity out of crisis with our first one. You had a sort of a creativity in crisis. Yours was creativity. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think, like, those were more reflective episodes. And they were trying to be a bit more, like, I think a bit more, like, hopeful about yeah. the general COVID situation. Because I think that ours, I think it's, like, what you said before really resonates about not wanting to kind of, like, paint over, like, bad personal experiences when people are talking about it and sometimes I did worry about that with like false positivity in some of the episodes like in particularly um content for like sexual assault here when we were discussing that episode I was really conscious that like we didn't want to be like oh and that was like such a great galvanizing experience like mm. look now like because actually that is a really like that what was said there were really awful lived experiences obviously and we didn't want to like write over those but I think also there is the other side of the coin which is that like COVID may have been like really rough and it has been really rough for some people and everyone's had different experiences but there have been some like positives and it's important and I think I think of it as a write-off is never a good way yeah. to think of it for anyone involved like for all the lives lost it's not useful to think of that as a write-off yeah exactly and it's not useful to, to think of it as a write-off for like anything positive because people have like tried to kind of reclaim that experience and like we should give kind of weight to that the only other two things I can think of which are in my head is yeah fitness to study procedure was something that we want I wanted to do at some point because a lot of the people we spoke to actually had been affected by it and the other thing is maybe the pride flags because mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're selling so, oh, you know. oh wonderful <laughs> oh we love that <laughs> like some Jesus in and everything so maybe that I thought one on what you were just saying a few minutes ago about the town gown divide had like a wider um, episode on that because I know you had an episode on the north south mm-hmm. divide which i thought was so interesting so this idea of divides which are often talked about mm-hmm. um, and then actually interrogating whether I, they exist and, and talking to like local residents perhaps of like i don't know things about housing or how they've been affected by cambridge as a university yeah also students who live in cambridge yeah is a huge one i think with the town and gown divide mm-hmm. is talking to so one of my like one of my friends who lives in my household had grew up in like spent his whole life growing up in Cambridge and is now a student and he says that's always really weird because it's sort of like I'm meeting my home friends and we'll be like oh lol Cambridge meh and it's just yeah that's really interesting yeah that's making me think that maybe something like some kind of collaboration with Anglia Ruskin would be interesting as well because like the two universities coexisting is quite an interesting thing already and then there's also a lot of like kind of Cambridge elitism that comes in when people mm. talk about Anglia Ruskin okay. um, when it is a university and like there are people getting degrees there and that does, you know just because it, it exists in the same town as Cambridge doesn't mean that there's anything like inherently bad about it so I think that would be an interesting um, one to do as well I that's, think that would be so interesting I think mean, that's so, actually such a good suggestion and I think it's like so, <laughs> next, next, next take you know what I'm thinking we all reapply yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got enough content for <laughs> um, but like Actually, that's so interesting because it's something that a couple of people have commented on with, like, some of the campaigns in Cambridge, is that they wish they were, like, rooting, like, and connecting more to Anglia Ruskin. And it's actually been surprisingly hard for those connections. And I think it's really interesting to ask, like, why? Because Mm. I think there is animosity between, like, with relationships there. Um, And I think there is a concern where, like, yeah, Cambridge University just comes to dominate Cambridge as um, as a place. So I think... But also the like, the like extracurricular world as well, because I do a lot of kind of Cambridge theatre stuff. Mm. And with theatre stuff, it's very much like 
University of Cambridge and Anglia Ruskin. Like it's there's there's never there's never a, like you can only participate if you're a Cambridge student. It's mm. kind of both to come work at the ADC. Except the really funny thing about that is that like when you want to join a society, for example, a society membership, they ask for your college. And or they ask for like your CRS ID yeah. instead of your email, and every time I'm like, mm, ooh, look at look what you've done there. Look at, yeah. And like I'm a I'm a producer most of the time, so usually that's my my job is being like, oh, um, when you like on application packs, we'll put like, oh, can you send us your your name, your CRS ID, and your then because you you get so used to it, you're sort of like, and then you always get I always get every every time I do a show, I get one or two emails people being like, oh, I don't have a CRS ID. But um, here's my email, and every time I'm like, no, and I forget, and I'm sort of like, how, mm-hmm. how, how have I forgotten? It's just, and that's, in a way, it's a, it's a kind of vicious cycle because then people don't want to apply because they sort of don't really feel included. But then, mm-hmm. because people don't apply, you kind of forget to include, and it's just like, and I always thought theatre was a really weird one because I do know a couple of people who are super, super involved, um, who are from Anglia Ruskin and who are there for like every show and doing those and stuff, but it's only a handful only a really small handful despite the fact that Angley Ruskin actually has degrees in drama and stuff like that and they've got a great a great theatre and stuff like that so um you'd think that they'd want to get involved involved in more stuff but that it's funny that that bar that barrier is sort of abstract but also very much on paper it's really I don't know that's a really niche niche thing that's always niggled at me I think that in some ways we overcame it because we we broadcast ours on Cal FM, which is joint mm. between Cambridge and Anglia Ruskin. For example, we have Drag Time on. Yeah. Um, and I think actually both radio and things like drag as a medium, whilst Cambridge may, like the university, dominate the city physically, things like the airwaves, things like the drag community are very, sometimes niche, um, like interests, etc. And they're places where I don't feel like there's as much animosity and on the point of activism we did during black lives matter a series and it was completely split alu and cambridge Mm. and i actually think radio is a really good way to get in touch with people because when you hear someone's voice you can't like aside from their voice there aren't many assumptions that you can make Mm. it's very much a more open dialogue um and i think i have heard of people from alu doing varsity and being involved in the past so i think there's definitely a space especially through like not to push Cam FM, but like through other yeah. uh, formats like that that are split between yeah. Cambridge and ALU. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's so weird to me, like the fact that there are these two universities living in the same town and there there isn't more of an effort to make that relationship stronger because there kind of isn't any reason why it shouldn't be and why like if we all we all share these spaces especially like when clubs and stuff reopen like we will all be going on the same nights out in the same places together like there's no reason why we can't also coexist in other spaces and in other like in other ways and I do kind of resent the um yeah like I said before the sort of elitism that comes into conversations about ARU like Mm. you know like even what you were saying about about um the ADC and stuff like that is a bit of a a barrier is it is kind of like subconsciously gatekeeping those sort of communities that are meant to be open to um the the like whole uh student population Mm. of the town rather than just the Cambridge university student population so I think that would be a cool thing well the night the nights out thing is interesting because I remember finding that really odd when I first came is again this this friend of mine who's who's living here which he was like um he was like oh yeah so the Tuesday's the ARU night they're like then and then and I was like do they have to show their cards (laughs) on entry is it like is it like don't worry I go here like I was like it's a club just go in like what's the what's the issue um but yeah I think that's something again not to make everything COVIDy, but again, it's the sort of thing where like everyone's had this similar lived like lived experience about about this and being in the town when the town isn't really what it what it was. And I think this is actually I've had so many conversations about this, like how something can come out of, of COVID a little bit differently. That's something that I think can come out of of something so much more positively is is this new relationship coming out. And we're building new traditions, even building new clubs. The Cindy's and Feather Dead, let's do a new thing. And sort of like, and maybe this is our way, especially again, like as first years and second years who didn't really get to live this whole like division thing before, maybe this is one of the ways that we can sort of come in and be like, this is a new, there's a new standard, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. I think that's again, in my in my little brain of like the positive, like the, the 
not the positives that have come out of it, but the, the sort of positive spin you can put on things, is this is our chance. To, especially, I think especially for you guys for the first years, this is your chance to set a new precedent. You haven't got, like, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely, when I was a fresher, had second years being like, oh, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, this is what you, like, this is where you go, this is where you don't go, sort of thing. You guys, to be honest, won't really have had that massively because you won't have known what to compare it to what people are talking about. So I think as first years, it's a really great opportunity for you guys to come in, speak to the new freshers and be like, no, this is this is what we're going to do. Like, this is the new standard, this is the new metric we're going to set. Pressure's on. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I know. What are we supposed to change the entire Cambridge culture? No, but I, yeah. I do think, I do think that's true. Like, I think already there have been some things that we've done as freshers that are kind of like, I, I can't think of anything in particular, but just like the way that we've had to spend time with each other and the way that we've mm. had to get to know each other have been different. Like, we haven't had yeah. formals, we haven't had bops, we haven't been able to go clubbing, we haven't really been able to mm. go to pubs. So, like, yeah. we've had to come up with other things, but like, it has worked. I have met people, I have made friends, you know, and like, so have other people. And, and so it's nice to know that, like, one, that we're that resilient. And so, if something, hopefully not, but if something were to happen again, we could, like, we could do it. But also that, like, yeah, there are there are new ways going forward for people to make connections and for people to meet each other and and to like still maintain some yeah. feeling of a of a university or of a college community even without the like physical kind of structures that might facilitate that kind of we connection. spoke about group chats on an episode you remember when we had the two freshers yeah. in and we were I've like seen them about all the time as well they're always there anytime you're in revs they're there like, <laughs> who do you speak to um, Ollie Mills uh, and Vesta, who set up this like Cambridge University Instagram page. Yeah. People were like posting on it once they've got their office, which I think is oh, the freshest really thing. nice. Yeah. And they also like, well, so we talked to them a lot about like how they were really chatty in these group chats before they even came, which was mm. sort of a thing when I came. There was a group, yeah. no one spoke on it. Like it was just, it existed. And there was like, the two people who like didn't make their offers, but who were the ones who were most active on the group chat, Ooh. and we were like, oh no. Um, but like it was sort of it existed, but people didn't use it, and suddenly these guys were like, oh yeah, it was our main mode of communication. They were like, oh yeah, this is how we made all our friends. This is like how we did everything, and I think that was because again we had the we came up with that because we had a few like freshers on our team who were sort of like, oh yeah, is this not is this not normal? And we were like. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. not at all. But cool, yeah. And go for it. That's something gained through COVID. Like I think everyone was worried that their social skills would be a little bit wrecked from <laughs> sitting in their rooms for a year. But actually, it's just normalised emailing somebody random and saying, "Can I have a Zoom call?" or meeting up with someone yeah. on a walk or for the freshers. But making again, their best friends on the WhatsApp group. That's why it wasn't weird for us to ask for interviews. Like suddenly, it wasn't mm. weird for someone to slide into your DMs and be like hey, yeah. I want to hear about this, tell me about this. Like, suddenly that's just not weird anymore, which is kind of great and still a bit, still a bit unnerving when the Cambridge Union people are, like, attacking your, your message, your inbox. Mm. Like, when it gets to that, that time and you're like, oh, wow, everyone I've met every any time is there. I don't know. I really, I think, from the freshers especially, like, I think we developed a weird sort of, like, fangirly admiration halfway through the podcast I remember whenever we'd interview freshers we'd be like wow they're doing so well yeah. they're having a great because like we always went in being like oh yeah we're going to make sure that like we're kind of sensitive about things it's been a rough year and they would come in and be like yeah we're having a great time we're yeah, living honestly. our best lives and we were like okay <laughs> sick <laughs> it's true actually I really thought we'd get an overwhelming number of negative experiences but I think I don't know how representative it is but people were more willing to speak about the positive and I think even our guests were speaking with and a kind of ear to the listener. So we were always like, we don't want to be falsely positive. But I could tell when people were speaking that they wanted to put a good mm. spin on it because they wanted other students who maybe could identify with hardships to have some positivity. Like really listening. Cute. It was I'll really nice, actually. Really, really good. Yeah, I will say as a fresher, like a lot of our conversations amongst each other are, are tend to be pretty positive because I think like we could very easily sit and talk for hours about all the things that we've missed out on like anything from having sat not having sat exams last year to missing like all of the end of like high school kind of like traditions all of that stuff and then obviously freshers week and like being able to be here in person and Lent and lectures and supervisions like it, it the list goes on forever and but it's kind of just too upsetting to think about that for yeah. too long and it's so much nicer to think about like all of the nice all of the fun like ways that we've 
adapted this year to sort of like make it work like I had a very lucky experience in that I got along really well with my household and with the other household on my floor and so like just the like the stuff that we do as a as a floor I think are things that maybe wouldn't have happened in a previous year and so like focusing on that side of things in the way that like we've been able to make connections in ways that definitely we wouldn't have before and even the online stuff comes into that as well like I follow so many people on Instagram just from that Instagram account but it's cool because then I'll walk around in town and I won't like speak to people but I will recognize people and I do oh, yeah. feel a little bit more part of like a larger community where it's oh, where that's I, huge that's yeah so I don't important. think I would have had that if I hadn't like at least made those little connections like just following someone so I know oh, okay I do recognize your face I don't know who you are but I know that like we're connected in some way mm. and that's been really cool as well and I feel like we've been forced to make those connections mm. like um especially the whole group chats and things mm. like that like there's been no other way to gain that same social interaction so I feel like it's taken away quite a lot of the taboo for a lot of people of being like oh I want to see this person I don't want to bother them etc etc because we all know we're doing nothing and yeah. if you don't almost bite the bullet and do that then you just be sat in your room all the time unfortunately so that is something that I've personally found quite good about COVID. Just everyone feels more approachable and I feel like I am also more approachable to my friends, um, which I think is really good. Yeah, I think it's sort of, I always liken it to when you come to uni for the first time in Freshers' Week and everyone always tells you like, everyone's as nervous as you are, everyone wants to make friends as badly as you are, as you do. I sort of think of it in the same way. Everyone is as like, kind of desperate to speak to people and like desperate to have those connections so that you don't have to be insecure. Like, I remember coming in Freshers' Week, that was my main mentality, is I was like, no one's going to find it weird, because everyone wants to do it, you're just going to have to be the one who has the balls to actually walk up to someone. And that's kind of how I've been feeling about, about all of this, is I've sort of... And then you meet you meet someone, and even if you don't become, like, great friends with them, like you said, like, it's literally just, like, the biggest thing, I think, especially talking about, like, not going to go into the whole thing about the college system, like you said, it's got its, got its pros and cons. Um, but one of the one of the weird pros is, is that there's when you walk around town, there's people that you see and you know because you're like, ah, oh, you're in my college, like I see who you are. Now it's sort of different. Now it's sort of like, ah, oh, I know you're in my year because I saw you on an Instagram, or I know you because like someone told me about something else that I could have potentially somehow been interested in, so I rocked up, sort of thing. And I think that's the only way that you build it, the only way you build a community these days is just by biting the bullet. And I think as a kind of, I used to be a, a, a massive extrovert and COVID has kind of introverted me a bit. The one thing it has made me able to do is realize that at the core, if you, if you try and, if you try and engage with someone and their reaction is like, ew, no, why are you talking to that person low-key like why are you giving that and person so the time of day happens as well. yeah. exactly like most it people are really happy to have someone uh, we, yeah, we never them. came across anyone yeah. who no. in fact I don't think anyone was even like I'm sorry I'm just too busy like yeah. everyone was very happy this is the thing it's like it happens yeah. it happens so rarely that on the off chance it does it's just you don't take you shouldn't take it personally because yeah. it's like no <laughs> just go and you, you will find someone else to talk to yeah yeah um, well, bringing it a little bit back to the podcast, what do you think was like the biggest takeaway that you got from your time as producer? What are you, what are you bringing forward with you? Oh, that I hated using Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I you can look at the Audacity screen after that. Um, no, I think what we've been saying about um, the hope and the students has been a big takeaway. Um, and it's just been lovely to speak to so many different types of people. Um, yeah, that's what I, t I took away, that feeling of community, I guess. Mm. And I think also maybe, I was I was actually quite inspired and impressed by how like how well it did all come together in that, you know, when we were talking about it, it seeming hard to get like a way in. I was thinking about the fact that like, when you read a Varsity or a Tab article, you can see how they've written it. Like you might not be like, oh, I have that tone, but you could like understand the steps to do it. But with the podcast, like, when you listen to the episode before you've done it, you're like, how the hell does this happen? Like, how, especially for us, like, we've literally done no editing before. We've never recorded, like, a conversation. So I was like, how the hell does this work? And I think coming from that point to then the end point of, like, actually having, like, a pretty good, pretty good <laughs> podcast to listen to at the end and, like, our voices becoming a little bit more, like, riveting to listen to as opposed to droning on, all that kind of jazz. I think, actually, that made me feel really positive about, like, how much can be like how much you can achieve and that sounds really 
corny, but I think that there's very few things in life where you've started like so much from scratch, and then with a team, like you've all worked together. And then also, I would just really echo what Maddie said because undoubtedly, I think for the two of us, it really was a hope, um, a sense of community, and like the sense of like, yeah, things moving on on the ground. Mm, I'd say. A large part of it as well is just the importance of documenting experiences regardless of whether they're kind of like grand divestment campaigns all the way down to like we sometimes just had our random kind of ramblings about the way our week had gone and I think we liked to encourage people to do that as well mm-hmm. and I think that serves as a really nice time capsule for this period because just because someone hasn't achieved something you know, outstanding. I can't name like an outstanding thing that I've done in this period, but it doesn't make it a write-off. Mm. And you really validate the fact that even getting through this period is enough and is very impressive by just including the sheer range of things that people were doing, the sheer range of experiences, kind of however, I don't know, ambitious or however kind of humble they were. And I think yeah. that's something really nice that these specific series people will listen back to to get an insight into how people live through COVID. Yeah, I think I'd, I'm kind of similar. I'd say it's about, it's a times capsule. And for me, I think as someone who, I did not understand how this whole like video conferencing thing was gonna work. I was genuinely, I did not think, I was I was so cynical about it at the beginning. I was like, there's no way you can have a real conversation. There's no way you can like build a friendship. There's no way you can, that I was so wrong. I was proved so, so wrong. And I think my favorite thing about doing it was how we'd get to the end of a, like 30 minute episode or like so it'd be like a 15 minute interview get the end of a 15 minute interview and fine we didn't know this person's whole life story but we got to a point where like you said we could see someone on the street and be like oh hi you're right and like we could actually build a rapport with someone and build a connection with someone through a screen and through a medium just because we had a shared we had like a shared goal or a shared like even if it was someone like advertising advertising something or talking about something they'd done or whatever whatever the fact that we could build a connection like that through a recording to me was really special I think in a time where again like I fully was only speaking to one person for like three weeks at a time and suddenly the fact that I was speaking to so many people and building genuine connections with so many people whether that be our team that we spoke to every week or people again that we spoke to once 15 minutes I think again like just know whether they were freaking Stephen Toop or um like a member of our own team who would just come on to talk about what it felt like being a fresher every single one of those conversations felt important and relevant and it sort of reminded I think it reminded people that all of this is possible that we've done it and we've created a whole new medium of communication and we've created a whole new again a whole new standard a whole new standard for sort of sharing your experiences and building connections with people in a way that wouldn't be normal. Like the other day, someone told me that they'd gone on a date with someone they met in a bar. And I was like, what? That's so weird. How did you do that? Um, I'm so used to the different way of life right now, but I think we've created so many different things. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's really like consistent with my experience. I mean, I think what Izzy was saying about like having to learn everything kind of like from scratch and, and not knowing how to do anything, like definitely when I listened to the episodes like before um, recording my first one, I was like, I have no idea how I'm gonna end up with like this finished product. I don't even understand like how they, how did you get the music in there? Like, how did you do all those things? It didn't make any sense. But like then getting to the- it still doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did not, I was I was quite truly just sitting there having a chat. I don't think, I think Eliza was the queen of everything that was actually technical. I just- <laughs> We knew that was good because we collaborated and brought very different things. You brought your theatre production, which is like management, like overseeing like our massive team, like what, 15 people. Yeah. And then I came in and did my little- Did the like, real work on the ground. No, no, I, no, no, I came in and did my like weird little editing stuff. Like, yeah, and I, and I truly was just like, it would just come out and I'd be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Share on Instagram. That's what I <laughs> Yeah, so that was definitely difficult for me. Like I kind of went into it and every I think people maybe assumed that I knew more than I did and so nobody was like, here's exactly how to do it and I was like, No, please please tell me exactly how to do it because I have no idea what, what I'm mean, doing. Exactly. How do I even exactly yeah, like how to move my mouth because I don't even know how to like say these words. Um, and so that was really cool, like, just for, for me to, like, sort of back myself, like, after the first episode came out and know, like, oh, actually, like, wait a minute, I can do this. I can, like, make this thing and it will exist and it'll be, like, a full 45-minute episode. That's crazy. Um, and then the other thing was, like, 
I think I was surprised by how much I really enjoyed listening to people and how like mm. how much I realized that like especially now people want to be listened to and want a chance to like share their story and to hear other people's stories and to have those to like ev- everybody is just craving connections and like that's such an important thing right now and so being able to facilitate that and being able to just like hear from so many people and and know that like people are still out there wanting to wanting to be talking and wanting to be like um getting to know each other was a really cool thing and I think that's something that I'll definitely like definitely will help me going forward as well because like like you were saying like you know you can just go up to people and talk to them because people really do want especially now like people are just excited to meet people and excited to like go back to like real life connection and stuff like that so that was definitely like a really a really beautiful part of it I think that's all for episode eight and that's my last episode as host and producer of the podcast I hope you've all had a wonderful Easter term and are looking forward to spending a relaxing summer unwinding before we return in Michaelmas. It's been my pleasure hosting and producing this podcast this term and working with my fantastic team throughout the season. Thank you to everyone who featured on the podcast this season and thank you for listening. Have a great summer.